We begin a brand new summer sermon series entitled Down in the Pits, but Destined for the Palace, as we're going to preach on a journey, the life of Joseph. Join us for the life of Joseph in the Bible, and you'll discover great gems from God. Joseph, when we find him in the Bible, he's age 17. Joseph had how many brothers? Anyone know? Eleven brothers. Joseph, one of twelve. What can we say about ten of those brothers? Ten of those brothers were half-brothers. All ten of those half-brothers hated Joseph, despised him. They hated him because he was his father's favorite. They hated him because Jacob gave him a coat of many colors. Talk about cool threads. They hated him because Joseph was a dreamer. This morning, I want to talk to you in the first of many messages on Joseph about Joseph, the dreamer, the dreamer, the dreamer. Would you fill in the blank with me this morning? God gave Joseph some powerful dreams revealing that Joseph was to have a royal destiny. Read with me from chapter 37 of Genesis, verse 5. One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field, tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers said, hip, hip, hooray. No, his brothers responded, so you think you're going to be our king, do you? Do you actually think you'll reign over us? And they hated him. They hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way that he talked about them. Note it well with me. Fill in the blank. God has given us all dreams. They are his divine dreams design for our lives. Now, I don't mean the crazy dreams you have when you've had pizza the night before. Not pizza dreams. By dreams, I mean our hopes of what we can do and be in God. Never underestimate the power of your dreams. It's because of dreams that men and women down through history have changed our nation and transformed our world. Think of it. Though he was buried in the snows of Valley Forge, George Washington allowed a dream to drive him on. And George Washington forged a nation. Though he was raised in abject poverty, though he was politically defeated 11 times at the ballot box, and though he was prone to depression... Abraham Lincoln allowed a dream to take him to the White House. Though he was burned so severely, the doctors said that he would never, ever walk again. He not only walked, he ran. And Glenn Cunningham ran so fast, he broke the one-mile record, the world record, the man who was never supposed to walk. Though he was deaf from birth, Ludwig van Beethoven 
allowed a dream to turn him into a genius composer. Though paralyzed from the waist down. Think of it. Paralyzed from age four, a dream turned Itzhak Perlman into an incomparable concert violinist. It was a dream that took Helen Keller, blind and deaf, and turned her into a world-renowned author and the master of six languages. A dream caused Edison, though he dealt with countless disappointments, countless failures, a dream caused Edison to invent the light bulb and he lit up the entire world. I'm talking about dreams. A dream can take bicycle makers, Orville and Wilbur Wright, and invent an airplane and transform the transportation industry. After failing to make his basketball team at high school, a dream kept a young man going, and you know him today as Michael Jordan. It was a dream that caused a college dropout to start a little upstart company called Microsoft. And you know the rest of the story as Bill Gates is the richest man alive, all because of a dream. It was a dream that caused an African-American preacher to stand upon the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and this African-American preacher looked the crowd in the eye and said, I say to you today, my friends, that in spite of the difficulties and the frustrations of the moment, I still have a dream. I have a dream that my four children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream, and that dream shook an entire nation. Now, I declare to you, if those dreams can have such power and such impact, uh, what can a God-given, God-glorifying, Holy Spirit-empowered dream do in our world today? What can it do in our church? What can it do in your life? What do you believe that God can do with your dreams? Do you believe that he can make your dreams come true for your education, your vocation? Do you believe that your dream for true love can really come true? Do you believe that God can repair and restore your marriage? Do you believe that God can restore your health? Do you believe that God can make you uh, successful in business? Do you believe that God can use you mightily in church ministry, in outreach ministry, and impact your world for Jesus Christ? Do you believe that God can fulfill your dreams to have children that will serve God and love Jesus? Do you believe that God can make your dreams come true for your divine design, the purpose for which you were born? Mark it down well. Though given powerful dreams, Joseph experienced some of the greatest disappointments ever faced. 
Joseph's brother's hatred for him sold him. Their hatred sold him into slavery. And from being a slave, Joseph was thrown into an Egyptian dungeon. And there he was left to rot. An Egyptian prison. No hope for escape. No hope for release. Have you ever dealt with disappointments? You expected one thing, and you got another. Reminds me of the couple on their honeymoon. They had dated for a long time, courted for a long time. It was now their honeymoon night. Uh, he's sitting on the edge of the bed. She's sitting in, in the bathroom, and they're both contemplating sharing their personal disappointments. He's sitting there on the bed thinking to himself throughout all the dating and all the courting, I've never told her. I've never told her that my feet stink and my socks smell. Bad smell. She's sitting in the bathroom. She's saying, I've got to reveal to him. I've got to reveal to him. I've been able to keep it uh, uh, candy-coated, but I've got to reveal to him that I really have bad, bad breath, and my morning breath is going to be a whole lot worse. I've got to tell him. So she came there into the bedroom, sat down next to him on the bed, and leaned over to him and breathily said in his face, Honey, I've got something to tell you. He said, Oh my God, you ate my socks! <laughs> disappointments! 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 Listen, no matter how much faith you have, no matter how long you've been a Christian, Sooner or later, something or somebody is going to shake your faith to its very foundations with disappointment. Maybe your dream of a fulfilling vocation, a career, has turned into a dead-end job. Maybe you have no job at all. Maybe your dream of owning your own business, being your own boss, becoming financially secure, has turned into the fact that now the business owns you 24-7 and you're a slave to it. Maybe your dream of being a successful student has been shattered and your memory of school last year is everybody makes fun of you, nobody likes you, and your grades shout out that you're stupid. Maybe your dream of retirement what kind of dreams have, did you have for retirement uh, of a healthy, uh, sound life and constant golfing and, and fishing and, and traveling? Now all your traveling is to the pharmacy and to the doctor's appointments. Disappointments. Maybe you had dreams of ministry being used for God's glory making a difference, touching lives. But critical people, gossipy people, have sucked the joy of ministry out of your life so that now you're doing nothing but sitting on the sidelines. 
You've been detoured from the work of God. Maybe your dreams of finding true love, finding a loving spouse, have been shattered. You, you, you had a beautiful wedding that's turned into an ugly marriage. Maybe your dreams for that child that you stood here like these parents, that child that you dedicated to the Lord, you blessed in the Lord, that child that you brought to church, somehow, some way, rebellion reared its ugly head and they've shook their fist at you and said, I don't want you and I don't want your Jesus. Disappointment. I'm talking about disappointment. Whatever disappointment, discouragement that you have had, I want you to know that the enemy is keenly aware if he can crush your faith, if he can destroy your hopes with disappointment, he'll not only short-circuit your dreams, he'll defeat your destiny in God. Talk about disappointment and holding on to your dreams. Have, you, have any of you ever heard what happened my first day here at Lakeside? In fact, I had not yet been elected as pastor. In our form of church government, uh, the people, the people, the membership, hold the authority in the church. They elect the pastor. 30 years ago, when I was 10 years old, and I was being considered, I was being considered <laughs> to be pastor of the church, <laughs> when I was being considered and being voted upon to be this church's new pastor, and I had to be voted upon that evening. That morning, the nursery director quit. Why? Because my two-year-old little girl, Julie, bit somebody in the nursery, and the nursery director got all out of sorts and quit the nursery ministry. On top of that, after preaching my heart out, disappointments, discouragements, after preaching my heart out that morning, I opened up the altars. This is my first service at Lakeside. I'm about to be voted on. I open up the altars for people that need healing or need a miracle, need an answer to prayer. They all line up, and I'm laying hands on people. Again, I'm going to be voted on that night. And I lay my hands upon a gentleman. He falls over, and I thought to myself, I didn't know it was this kind of a church, you know, slain in the spirit. And, and I look down, and he's turning blue. And his wife just kept standing there. And I, I said, is your husband okay? She said, no, he's not. And I immediately leaned over to Bill Bogle, and I said, Bill, call 911 right now. So on my first Sunday morning at Lakeside, you want to talk disappointment? EMS is bringing a gurney down the aisleway. I've laid hands on somebody and killed him. No, he didn't die. I, uh, it was a heart attack. And uh, I visit him at the hospital, and he's, don't touch me. No, no, I, I made that part up. I made that part, no. <laughs> Discouragement. Hey, we've all been there. 
We've all been there. You know, we should have been building phase four a year ago. Discouragement? Hey, I've been camping there. What do you do when you're in the snare, the grip, the grapple of discouragement? God used dreams to restore Joseph's dreams. He gave Pharaoh a nightmare, and only one person could interpret Pharaoh's nightmare. Who was that? Joseph. In one day, in one day, in one day, God said, it's promotion time. Hallelujah. And that's a word for somebody here this morning. Your miracle can be winking at you just right around the corner. And one day, Joseph was a prisoner. And in that same one day, he became vice president of the whole empire of Egypt. And God said, it's promotion time. What God does for others, he can do for you. Despite the crushing disappointments of betrayal by his brothers. Because, see, I want to find out. How, did, how was God able to do that for Joseph? How was Joseph able to receive the fulfillment of his dreams? Despite betrayal, slavery, imprisonment, Joseph saw his dreams fulfilled by remaining favor-minded. If there's anything that I want you to remember about this message, it's those two words, favor-minded. Favor-minded. Say it with me. Favor-minded. As Joseph kept trusting God, he kept expecting his dreams to be fulfilled. That's why three times in Genesis 39 we hear, the favor of God was upon Joseph. And in God's perfect time, on God's perfect day, God said, enough is enough, it's promotion time. And Joseph went from the pits to the palace. Think of that. Being favor-minded is knowing that God desires to bless us more than, when, more than what we desire to receive. He desires to bless us more than we can imagine, ask, or think. Being favor-minded is living with expectation that God wants to protect you. God wants to heal you. God wants to prosper you. God wants to provide for you and fulfill your dreams beyond imagination. The psalmist said in Psalms 5, uh, It is you who blesses the righteous man, O Lord. You surround him with what? Favor as with a shield. Mark it down like Joseph. We can seize God's divine design for our lives by declaring His favor. It's not just a mindset. Favor is not just a mentality. It's not just an attitude of expectation. There's something that you need to do. Joseph didn't just sit there twiddling his thumbs in prison. Read the account Joseph declared the favor of the Lord. He declared that his God was in charge, not the jailer, not Egyptian's Pharaoh. He declared the favor. He confessed the favor of an almighty God. Amen. Psalms 119, the Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. I sought your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your word. How many news people we like here? You, you, you listen to it 24-7. You listen to the news on the radio. You watch the news on TV. 
And now after this weekend and, and the Brit exit, uh, uh, what's happened with the European Union and Britain, now you're ready to build a bomb shelter, buy gold, and store food. Let me tell you something. There's no news like the gospel news. There's no news like the good news. You listen to the world's news all the time. You subsist on a diet of the world's news, and I can guarantee you, you will be negative. You'll be complaining. You'll be fearful. You'll be despairing. You'll be depressed. But if you'll saturate your mind with God's Word, if you'll meditate upon the promises of the Lord, uh, because all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus, if you'll make His Word your Word, I guarantee you a life of favor, a life of joy, a life of victory, despite the problems of life. Hey, I'd much rather live in joy and victory by confessing God's goodness, His blessings, His promises. I'd rather take my stand on His Word and memorize it, study it, read it, meditate upon it, and then declare it. Because it's not enough to believe it and receive it. You need to release it. You need to take your stand upon the promises of God and declare, Hallelujah! My God shall supply all of my need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. By His stripes we are healed. Uh, greater is He that's within me than he that's within in this world. We are more than conquerors through him that loves us. No weapon formed against us can prosper. Though the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. If God be for us, who can be against us? Declare the promises. Quote the promises. Make his word your word. And I guarantee you that your life will be a life of victory. Your life will be a life of success. You will enjoy the favor of the Lord. For the Lord is drawn to those who stand upon his promises. The Lord is drawn to those who speak his word and act it out. This is not some spiritual mumbo-jumbo. You think we're crazy? I mean, look at your news. Tony Robbins. Have you heard the news on Tony Robbins? You know, Tony Robbins is that motivational guru. You know, the giant of a guy, six foot, seven inches tall. He co-starred in the movie Shallow Hal. You know who I'm talking about. You know... Tony Robbins who tells you to get up every morning, look in the mirror and say, you're the man. You're the man. You're the woman. You're the, you know, a woman if you're a woman, a man if you're a man. You, know. you have to clarify that these days. Think success. Think positive. Think, you know, it, it's self-actualization. New age, uh, positive thinking. If you're new to God's word this morning, I hope you know that we're not, we're not, we're not going there. I am not declaring that. You know what happened at his seminar over the weekend, Tony Robbins? He, he had people uh, meditating on no fear, no fear, no fear. He had them repeating with their words of their mouth, no fear, no fear, no fear. And then he had them walk on a bed of hot coals. And a whole bunch of them were sent to the hospital. 
with second and third degree burns upon their feet. Listen, when you speak the word of the Lord, <laughs> there is no fear. <laughs> there is no malady. There is no defeat. There is no depression. When you stand upon the word of the Lord, you're able to get up every morning and declare, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. His mercies are new every morning. Glory to God, this is going to be a good day. Amen. You're standing upon the holy, immutable, inspired, indestructible, inerrant, infallible Word of God. It's not positive thinking. It's not New Age self-actualization. The Word of God is life. It's victory. Let me show you how it works. Back in 2007, I was coming back from Boston on a Saturday night. I was completing my doctorate there at Gordon-Conwell Theological uh, Seminary. And we had not gauged how bad rush hour was on a Saturday night to Logan Airport. We're coming across the Boston Bridge, and we're talking nightmare. We're talking horrendous. Uh, Judy, uh, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, terrible. I mean, there's no way. I'm going to miss my flight. I'm not going to be able to preach Sunday morning. I mean, it's terrible. It was so bad. Becky, I've never seen this happen in our 38 years of marriage. She broke out in hives. She stressed out so bad. I've never seen this happen before or since. And I said, on that bridge, I said, Lord, you told Moses as he stood at the Red Sea with waters before him and Pharaoh's army behind him. Lord, you told Moses to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And as Moses spoke it, God, you made a way where there seemed to be no way. God, make a way right now. As soon as I said that, a siren began sounding. I looked in my rearview mirror. Up coming from behind me is an EMS ambulance. And the Lord spoke to me and said, get on the bumper of that ambulance. I got on the bumper of that ambulance, and it was like the seas parted before me. And I rode that bumper all the way into Logan Airport. We made our flight with time to spare to have some McDonald's. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Speak his word. Declare his word. It's not enough to be favor-minded. Amen. you got to let it out. You need to declare it. Your words are life. There is life and death in the power of the tongue. There it is. The more favor-minded you are, the more favor-talking that you do, the more favor you're going to receive. The favor-minded, mark it down, see their dreams accomplished by pressing into the Lord's presence with praise. Isaiah 61, verse 3, to appoint to them that mourn, that grieve, the garment of praise for the spirit of what? The Bible's not talking about being overweight here. That word heaviness literally means despair, depression. God is telling you that are grappling with depression, 
with despair, with hopelessness. God is telling you to put on a garment of praise. Start praising him. Why? When we start praising the Lord, we get our focus off of our problems onto our problem solver. When we start praising the Lord, praise ushers us into the very throne room of God. And God is upon the throne, and everything's going to be all right. Amen? The Bible says that we'll enter his gates by thanksgiving, and we'll enter his courts, his presence, with praise. Hallelujah. Amen. I want you to know that praise nullifies the power of the enemy. Praise quarantines him from your life and your family. Praise puts a binding upon the demons. The devil is drawn to depression. The devil is drawn to those who doubt and despair. But the devil's allergic to those who praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but I want to give old Slewfoot a backache, a bellyache, a headache. I want old Slewfoot, the devil, to be in the corner bending over calling 911. Hallelujah! I want the devil mad and my Jesus glad. I'm going to praise him. How about you? Amen. There it is. There it is. Praise ye the Lord. Praise Him for who He is. Praise Him for what He has done. Praise Him for what He is doing. Praise Him for what He's going to do. Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. The favor-minded like Joseph persevere. They refuse to give up on God's dreams for their lives. I want to ask you a question. Where's the richest... Where's the richest literal spot on the planet? What is the richest real estate on the planet? Diamond mines in South Africa? Gold mines? Platinum, lithium? You drive by them all the time. Richest spots on the planet are cemeteries, graveyards. Beneath those rectangular pieces of sod lie brilliant ideas, buried abilities, buried talent, buried opportunities, buried dreams. Dreams that could transform lives, our nation, our world but dreams that were left unrealized, unrecognized. They never touched a soul. Graveyards. I pray you won't add to the wealth of graveyards. All of us have a choice over the disappointments of life that want to shatter us and cruelly crush our dreams. You can choose to wallow in your self-pity, wallow in your disappointment and your discouragement over something that most of us can't change, like the weather. Or you can choose to be favor-minded. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1.13, hope, hope, hope to the end for the divine favor that is coming to you. You see that there. Don't give up. Keep
keep on believing, keep on expecting, keep dreaming, keep confessing the promises of God, which are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. Keep living favor-minded. But pastor, I'm at the end of my rope. I'm about ready to give up. Don't you hear me? I'm at the end of my rope. Then tie a knot in it. Hang on in the name of Jesus and persevere. Hold on to your dreams. Don't let anyone destroy or deny your dreams. You see, there comes a time in every life when giving up on God-given dreams looks good, when problems seem insurmountable, when mountains seem immovable, when giants seem unbeatable. That's when you need to take your stand and declare in the name of Jesus, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep trusting the Lord. I'm going to keep remaining favor-minded. I will not recant. Uh, I will not go back. I'm going to push through. I'm going to press on. I'm going to be favor-minded. Hallelujah. Amen. I might be in the pits, but palace time is coming. Joseph remained favor-minded by remaining, by rejecting a victim mentality and by choosing to see himself as a prince instead of a prisoner. How many of us have allowed our disappointment Our prison, our setback to become our identity. I know a man, I know a man that lost his precious wife years ago. There is a time for grieving. There, sometimes the grieving process takes two years. But when it ends up being 15 years, when it ends up being known as the man uh, who lost his wife for the rest of your life, that is not the word of the Lord to you. That is a victim mentality. This man enjoyed being known. He enjoyed the attention of being a widower. God-glorifying dreams come true to those who choose to not let life's disappointments victimize them. I can't tell you how many counseling situations I'm involved in that deal with the why question. Pastor, why weren't my prayers answered? Pastor, why am I still sick? Pastor, why did my marriage fall apart? Pastor, why was I raised in an abusive environment? Pastor, why did God let my loved one die? Listen, this side of eternity, we're not going to have all the answers. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. We look through a glass darkly, the Bible says in this life. But then on the other side, we will see face to face. We will know as He knows. But choosing to wallow in self-pity and embrace a victim mentality will short-circuit God's best for your life, God's dreams for your life. I want to remind you, I want to remind you, you're not a prisoner of discouragement. You're not a prisoner of disappointment. I want to remind you, we're not what others say we are. We're not what our past says we are. And we're definitely not what the devil says we are. We're what God says we are. We're children of the Most High God. We're children of the King. The royal blood of heaven flows through our veins. We're King's kids. We also 
have what God says we have. We have real love. We have joy. We have peace. We have divine favor. And we have all the promises of God. We have eternal life. And best of all, we have the one who has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you always. We have Jesus. But there's more. There's more. We can do what God says we can do. We can heal the sick. We can cast out demons in the name of Jesus. We can move our mountains in the name of Jesus. We can win our world for Jesus. We are who God says we are. We have what God says we have. And we can do what God says we can do. We can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthened us. Hallelujah. Give him praise and glory. Amen. There it is. I want to share with you a gator story. Gators have been in the news a lot lately. There's only one person I would dare say in this room that has run into a gator underwater head first and at night and it's the guy holding the microphone right now I know the unbelievable strength and the power of alligators and God spared my life that's another time and another story terrible tragedy took place in Orlando a couple of weeks ago. I'm not going to tell you a sad story, though. I'll give you a good gator story. Not long ago, it was written up in all the papers, on all the social media. Florida boy would come home from school every day, and the first thing that he would do was uh, uh, take off his clothes, put on a swimsuit, dive, in the uh, family lake, which was really a glorified pond. And uh, he couldn't wait to dive in those waters. But on this day, mom in the house, mom at the kitchen window, mom heard the most unearthly screaming. And then she began to scream as she looked through the kitchen window and saw a long line of leather chasing down her son in the water as he was swimming for his life for the shore. She went out there screaming to high heaven. The boy, her son, reached the shore just in time for the gator to catch up and hunker down upon his legs. But that gator, that gator, that gator had met his match. There's any, you don't want to cross a mother filled with adrenaline that is out to save her child. And there began a tug of war as mommy dug her nails into her son's upper half and began a tug of war with that gator and mommy won hallelujah months in the hospital multiplicity of plastic surgeries 
When the reporters came in to interview the boy in the hospital room, they asked to see the gator scars, the bite marks all over his legs. But the boy, beaming with pride, said, These aren't the scars that I want to show you. These are the scars I want to give to you and reveal to you. And he opened up his shirt, and there were the scars of his mommy where she had dug in her nails and she would not let go because real love never lets go. Never lets go. It never lets go. You see these scars, he said to the reporters. These are scars of love. These are my mommy's scars. She really loves me and she refused to let go. Honey, sir, ma'am, as you remain favor-minded, <laughs> when you turn your life over to Jesus Christ, He's more than your Lord. He's more than Christ. He's more than Jesus. He is your Savior who will not and who cannot let go. For nothing will separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. If you will turn your life over to Jesus, He's going to hunker down. He's going to hang on. He's going to wrap His arms of love round about you. And He will not forsake you. He will never leave you. You're going to come through your disappointments. You're going to sing the song the angels sing. You're going to soar with the angels. You're going to see what the angels see. You're God who will not and cannot fail. You might have scars from the past, but you're going to have scars of victory of your Savior who will not let go. But the thing is, the thing is, the thing is, this lover also has scars. How will you recognize Jesus when you get into heaven? I don't know about you, I don't know what he looks like, but I'll recognize him by the scars, the nail prints in his hands. <laughs> and he will lift them up as evidence of the one who would not and could not let go because he loves me so. Oh, will you be favor-minded? What do you do? with love like that. Fill in your last blank this morning. God's still in the business, you see, of turning evil into good. Let the scars of your past become your testimony of His unfailing love. Father, this morning I ask and pray in the name of Jesus that You would come, 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 Holy Spirit, and knock upon hearts' doors Lord, we recognize there are people here this morning that need to get right with you. There are people here this morning that are not sure that heaven is their home, and they need to be sure. Lord, we're in an hour of darkness in our nation and in our world, and if there ever was a time to get right with God, it's now. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning, and you are here. I want you to know I'm about to pray a prayer, a prayer of salvation, a prayer that will make you right with God. This prayer is not about church membership. This prayer is not about joining this church. This prayer is all about Jesus. 
If you're not sure you're right with God and you want to be sure, if you're not sure that heaven is your home and you want to be certain, if you would like to be included in this prayer that will make heaven your home and Jesus your Savior, just lift up your hand right now. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. No one is looking around. Lift up your hand right now. I want to include you in this prayer. How many this morning? Thank you. God bless you. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Thank you. God bless you. How many more? Lift it up high so that I can see it. God bless you. I see that hand in the back. Yes, God bless you up front here. God bless you. How many up in the balcony? Lift up that hand high and wave it at me. Precious Jesus. I want everyone to pray this prayer. Pray it out loud especially you that have lifted up your hands. I want you to make this prayer your prayer. Own it. Are you ready? Dear Jesus, I come to you right now and I confess I have sinned. I'm a sinner. But Jesus, you're my Savior. You paid the price for my sins. You bear the scars of your love for me. You died for me, Jesus, but you rose again with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus, a new life, a changed life. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing me, for changing me, for giving me a home in heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I receive it as I believe it. Amen. Stand to your feet now, everyone. Stand with me right now.